Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to our podcast, uh, Ride the Elephant Today. We're excited about you joining us again. We have been talking a lot about presumption and projection recently and how that leads into our judgmental nature. So those conversations have been very enjoyable with you, Brian. Today, I want to talk about what motivates us. And to make sure we're talking about the right thing when we talk about motivation, I looked up Webster's definition of motivation, and it's basically the reason to act in a certain way. So the reason we act in a certain way emanates from our beliefs, values, and principles that have been built into our life. So what are the reasons we respond the way we do? Well, I don't really know. I think there, I mean, there's probably a number of different ways to approach this. So psychology and philosophy and other fields of study get into these questions. And one of the themes with humans is that we need resources. We need food and shelter. Those are strong motivators. And having a mating partner, that's a strong motivator. And I think having a troop or a tribe that you're a part of where you have kind of a social structure to help you out with things. If you have a bad hunt, maybe another guy had a good hunt that day and your buddies and he'll share with you. So we're kind of motivated by our need to be included in that tribe, you know, because there's the benefits of being social. And then there's like upper level thinking motivation where it's like maybe we as humans, we have a complex problem to solve or there's a thorn in our side or the thorn in the side of a loved one. And that maybe motivates us to do some upper level problem solving. So that's a list of things that I can think that cause people to do what they do. I like the way you started to talk about really what Abraham Maslow put together 50 years ago when he did the hierarchy of needs. We're motivated by our needs. And you talked about physiological needs and then the need to be safe and have shelter and protection and the need for food. Then, of course, the relationship need of having a love mate, having friends, having family. And these things are critical to the needs that we have in life. And we're motivated to do those things. Maslow then also went on and talked about esteem needs, those upper level higher needs that you're talking about, the need to be liked and the need to be loved and the need to feel like you're creating some value for other people. And then self-actualization needs would be the highest need you talked about, and that's living the best possible life you can, making a difference for other people and really helping other people achieve things that they might not be able to achieve themselves. And there's a self-actualization in that. 
raising children would be an opportunity to feel self-actualized as you raise your kids up and they go off and live their world. And you can step back and say, you know, I felt good about providing for my children so that they could live a great life. So I think all these things are important. And I think when I want to dissect this a little bit, because when we think about motivation, we kind of think of the needs we have and that we want to fulfill. And I want to focus a little bit more on what motivates us to respond in the way we do. The first thing I want to bring forward here for you to reflect as we look at the reasons we respond the way we do in certain situations. I've always found this very interesting that the prefaces that we begin to speak with, in other words, the first one, two, or three words that we say in a sentence, oftentimes will reveal our motivation. And what I mean by that is, see if you can describe the difference of these prefaces, Brian. If I start a sentence that says, I have to, versus a sentence I might start and say, I want to. Or if I start a sentence that begins with, I should, I should do this or should do that versus I get to do this. And the third preface I'd like you to weigh in on is I'm supposed to, or we are supposed to. And the antithesis preface would be I will or I am. So reflecting on that dichotomy of those two different prefaces, do you see how that could reveal the motivation that exists in a person, whether it's an extrinsic motivation or an intrinsic motivation? An extrinsic motivation or an intrinsic motivation, I am gathering that an intrinsic motivation is something from within. And, you know, you talk about the expectations of others. So external motivations could be the expectations of others. Yeah. Versus expectations you have of yourself. Right. Expectations you have that come from other people versus expectations you have from within. And I think the way we start our sentences reveals which one we're talking about. Yeah, it seems like some of those are more like it's maybe an obligatory labor that you don't enjoy so much, like the I have to or I'm supposed to do this, whereas the I want to or the I get to help this person today, I get to work on this project, or I get to read this book with my son, that's a delightfulness, right? Like, you're intrinsically desiring to do that. Yes, and what we're talking about is what that does for us. Are we going to live a life that's being motivated by what we think everybody else expects of us, that meets other people's approval? And is that really what motivates us? I get this. I understand when we're young kids, when we're growing up, we want the approval of our parents, and then we go from getting the approval of our parents to garnering the approval of our teachers. And of course, then we want the approval of our friends. So we have a tendency to do things and respond and be motivated to get the approval of these people, our parents, teachers, and friends, and avoid their disapproval. So approval becomes a very important thing to us when we're young. The question I have, though, is as we get older and move into adulthood, are we still garnering the approval of our parents, friends, bosses, co-workers, and avoiding the disapproval? Is that what motivates us? 
or are we driven by our intrinsic desires of what we expect of ourselves, and we're meeting our own approval versus garnering the approval of others. I find it's very difficult for us to move from the approval addiction that we had as young children to stopping the approval addiction in adulthood. And I think most people really have a difficult time dropping the approval addiction they have. They're addicted to approval, they want it, and they're going to do what they have to to get it. And I find that very interesting that we as adults have a very difficult time putting that aside and being more intrinsically motivated. And instead, we are continuing to be extrinsically motivated throughout our life. And there's a discomfort with that for me. And I think there's a discomfort for people when they do that. We've talked about stress and anxiety in the past few podcasts. And to me, one of the things that cripples us from the standpoint of anxiety and getting anxious about things and feeling like we're less than or feeling like we're not measuring up is if we aren't getting this approval from other people. And it leads to anxiety when we don't get their approval. So you kind of see where I'm going with this thought, Ryan. What are your thoughts as I kind of lay this out? Well, I have a lot of thoughts here. I have some questions, and maybe you can help clarify some of these things. So I guess I'll start with the intrinsic factor. I'm a little curious about what that word contains in terms of meaning for you, because it seems like it's all intrinsic. It's all within you. In other words, you have this brain activity, which is kind of sometimes hijacked by biological need or primal instinct. And that's happening on the inside. So that comes from within. So how is that distinct? Is that what you're talking about when you say intrinsic motivation? Or are you talking about a kind of motivation that incorporates the frontal cortex and is thought out and considered. Yeah, we have a tendency to go with our habitual responses and those are oftentimes, we've developed those over time and they are approval-based and avoiding disapproval-based habitual responses. When we continue to respond by trying to get the approval of others, what we're really saying is whatever that person believes, whatever my parents believe, or my teachers believe, my friends believe, or what society believes, and what they value, what they see as being most important, and the principles that they operate on, in other words, the beliefs, values, and principles built into the life determine how they respond in the situation. And if I take on their approval, if I want their approval, then I'm really saying that I'm just buying into their beliefs, values, and principles. And then... I'm foregoing what mine might be. And I say that people who are oftentimes going through this approval issue don't ever sit back and reflect and give critical thought to what they truly believe. And until we give thought to what we truly believe, the clarity on our values, and decide the principles that we want to live our life by, the precepts that we're going to live our life by, we will continue to be controlled and motivated by the beliefs, values, and principles of others. So that's what I mean by the extrinsic beliefs, values, and principles versus my intrinsic beliefs, values, and principles. Okay. And when I'm not careful, 
I never really considered the intrinsic ones because I'm so consumed by making sure I'm meeting the approval of other people that I don't really even do my own self-reflection and really sit down and write down, what do I really believe? And what do I really value? What's really important to me? And if we're saying what's really important to me is to get the approval of another person, then of course, we've made the decision that meeting the approval of somebody else is very important to us. And we're gonna continue to do that the rest of our life. That's a choice we make. I'm just asking the listener to think about this for a minute today and say, what can we do to move from this dichotomy of being a more approval addiction mindset to a different mindset that is more for me? Okay. Yeah, that's a key distinction because it seems like everything that's happening is kind of a combination of external stimulus and then internal response. But you're saying that we're in a habit of having an internal response of addiction toward approval. And just like any other addiction, there often is not much critical thinking about it. It has become a habit. It's just what you do. And you don't stop to consider the consequences. So I like that phrase, by the way, approval addiction. Those are nice, strong words. And that helps to kind of clarify, to the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic because the addiction is always some external thing that you're after and you don't even think about why and you don't even think about changing it. So you're kind of calling on our listeners here to stop and think about the decisions that they're making, how getting the approval of others is affecting those decisions. Like We can highlight this in a lot of different ways, everything from wardrobe to political beliefs, you know, all of these ways of thinking and ways of acting are sometimes really just being done to fit in and be included by your family or friends or coworkers without really much critical thinking about this really what I want to believe. And I really like what you said about how if you think about it and decide, you know what, I've critically thought this through and I really like having the approval of this person and that person and that person. I respect them. I like their style. I want to hang out with them. This one's cute. That one has always been really, really cool to me. I am going to seek their approval and I'm going to seek their input. You know, if that's what you bought out and decided to do, then you are now owning that decision instead of just habituating that decision out of right. fear of being rejected by those people or whatever. Yeah, and I think that to consciously make that decision is certainly now you own this as a belief and a value and as a principle that you're living by. And then, of course, then it, take it goes to the next level, and then you say, okay, if I'm going to take that on, then I have to ask myself, what if I find myself getting in a situation where disapproval starts coming my way? See, if I'm so dependent on the approval of others, how harmful is disapproval to me? Mm. Well, 
isn't it a factor of your level of closeness and love and affection for the person who's mm-hmm. disapproving? Well, you certainly you have know, that. Yes, it is. I think a lot of young people, for better or for worse, want the approval of their mom and dad early in life. And then that changes over to their friends at school. And sometimes, I guess, if the disapproval that you're getting is really something that you're not interested in changing, then you're going to walk away from those relationships. Or you're going to change to adapt, to conform, to maintain those relationships. Yes. See, as a child, you really are seeking the approval of everybody else. And then when we start getting older, I believe part of our maturation is to stop looking for the approval of other people as determining that's what defines me. And am I being approved by other people because of what I did, because I got good grades, I had good behavior, you know, I went to college, I got a degree, I got a good job. And you just check off all these things off this list that you did because of approval. And I'm saying in our undeveloped minds as young children who don't have the ability to critically think out what really drives them internally, yet they are definitely motivated by the approval and avoiding the disapproval of their authorities. And they're friends. There's no question about that. I get that. The reality is, is that if that's continuing when you're 25 and 30 years old, then there's something amiss. There's a lack of maturation occurring in the person because they aren't really learning to separate out the difference between intrinsically motivating yourself, being inspired to do what you do for your internal reasons, versus continuing to look for the approval of parents, teachers, and preachers, and friends. So what I want to do is have people recognize that there's a point in time in your life when that needs to transition and that needs to change. We're throwing around different words here, and a lot of these words have different meanings for different people, like approval and acceptance, unconditional and conditional love. Love itself has so many different meanings for people. So it's difficult to use words to describe this yeah. thing that occurs. Yeah. However, it does occur. And does that transition occur for everybody else? I know people who all they've done really in their life is they've just transitioned in their relationships from going from seeking the approval of a parent to seeking the approval of the spouse. And That, to me, is sad that a person lives their whole life seeking the approval of their authority, whether they see that as their parent initially and then that becomes their spouse later in life. And that can be a very empty vessel to fill when you're depending on the approval of the other people in your life instead of finding your own reasons to be motivated and your own reasons to be satisfied. And when you continually find yourself saying, that I have to, or I should, or I know I'm supposed to. It's like, wait a minute, time out. Why do you say you have to? Why do you say you should? Who's shooting right. on you? That you said, well, I know I'm supposed to do that. Wait a minute, who said so? Right. Versus saying, I get to do that because yeah. I have decided on my own terms that right. I see the benefits of doing that. Right. 
right? And this kind of goes back to the living the examined life thing. That's really all you're proposing here is examine your conformity. Examine the ways that you get the approval of others. Because if that approval and disapproval is doing you any harm, you know, if you're going to be an independent thinker, you're going to be your own person, that is part of your maturation process, your natural need to have your own unique identity. And if you don't carve that out, you might have some disruptions to your life at some point. And it's like, I mean, if the people who you're seeking the approval of are morally upright people, then that's good. Because then you're going to conform to a morally upright and good way of living. Now, on the other hand, there have been cultures in the past, I could list a few, that were not morally upright. And in those cases, seeking the approval of those people is real bad. I mean, soldiers on the ground commit war crimes because they are seeking the approval of their superiors, right? So if the culture that you're seeking to be approved of in is prone to charity, no one ever says a bad word about anybody else, that's a great thing to conform to. If people are beating up on each other and it's an unhealthy culture, not such a good thing to conform to. But either way, it's always good to examine why am I conforming to this. Whether it's beneficial or harmful, the behaviors you're trying to get approval for, either way, it's best to live an examined life where you look at, am I doing this because I'm supposed to? Or am I doing it because I want to? That's exactly right. You know, I think a great story that I experienced every year I taught this material to 17 and 18-year-old students, and it was a great example of what we're talking about here. I'd look at them right in the eye, and there's 25 kids in the room. I'd look at the first one in the first row, and then say, so why are you here this morning? And they'd look at me kind of puzzled. What do you mean, why am I here? And then why are you here? Why did you climb out of bed, get dressed, come to this location, and sit down in this classroom? Why are you here? And they'd say, well... That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. I mean, I, I don't. I My have. parents would kill me if I... <laughs> I have to. Yeah. I say, it's a oh, law, isn't it? Okay, fine. So then I looked at the next student. I said, why are you here? Well, you know, we're supposed to be in school. And I said, well, who said? Well, my parents said, and the teacher said, and the law says. And I said, well, you're yeah. 16 years old, aren't you? And she says, yeah, well, you don't have to go to school until you're 16 years old, according to the law. So you don't... <laughs> The kids would say, well, well, I'm getting out of here then. And I said, okay, go do that. And then the next kid said, well, my parents would kill me. They'd ground me for yeah. the rest of my life. And you know, they're just going on and on. And I wanted them to just recognize over and over again. And I looked at them right in the eye. Each one, they all came up with, I'm supposed to, I'm have to. I'd get in trouble if I didn't. I had to get the approval of my this and all that. And I'd go through the whole class and they all say the same thing. And about the 15th student one year, this young lady, she says, well, Dr. McKinley, I came here this morning because my intention is to be an orthodontist someday. And in order to be an orthodontist, I have to get into a good college and I have to do well in college. 
And in order to get into a good college, I need to do well in high school and I have to get a diploma. So I'm here this morning as one of the steps to becoming an orthodontist. And I thought, wow, now that's dramatically different. She made it very clear that she was here this morning because this is one of the things that she needs to do in a series of steps that she'll need to do to become an orthodontist. And she can't forego this one and jump to the next one until she completes this one. So to me, there is somebody who's putting the prefrontal cortex at work and probably will make a great orthodontist someday because she's a good critical thinker and she's starting to think that there's a reason I'm here this morning and I got up this morning and I came to school because I wanted to, I get to, and it's a part of my process that I'm getting to in my life. Yeah, and it's not like she was just playing along to be like, oh, I get where you're going with this. I love coming to school, you know, just to play along with the lesson. I mean, she's actually coming from a place of, she's got a vision for what she wants to do, and she's incorporating her education and how that's a stepping stone towards that vision. And that young lady now, this is eight years later, she's currently finishing dental school, and we'll see if she goes to orthodontic school. I'm not sure if she's going to or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if she does, because that's (laughs) been a part of her process. So to me, that's what we're talking about here, is when you make decisions to do things, what's the reason? Are you making a decision to do something because you're wanting the approval of somebody else? Or are you making a decision to do this because you want to be an orthodontist someday, And this is one of those decisions that I need to make to get to that point. Instead of making the decision to be here this morning because I have to be. Oh, man, I'm over 16. You mean I don't have to be here? No, you don't have to be here. Really? That's awesome. Okay, great. So now let's see how that goes for you. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you might get kicked out of the house, whatever. But then again, it's being motivated by what other people approve of and disapprove of. And it's such a difference. It's huge. When you look at in the eyes of that young lady saying what she said to me in that class versus what everyone else is saying, it's hugely different. And that's what basically I'm talking about is we need to look back and say, what is the reason when we make decisions about what we do in our life? Is it based on the approval of others or are we doing it for our own reasons? Mm. To me, And this young lady was being accepted by her parents no matter what she did. And she had the autonomy to do this in her life. And if she never became a dentist, that her parents would have still loved her. That's fine. I never sensed in all the working with her the rest of the year that there was ever anything coming from her that was like others directed. It was all internal. All her writing was spoke and used prefaces like I get to, I want to, I'm going to, I intend to, I will. And just reading what people write tells you a lot about their motivation. And it was genuine. Yes, and it was genuine. And sometimes, as the class went on, some of the kids, you could read into what they were saying, and it wasn't as genuine. However, we're talking about 18-year-olds that are in the middle of processing and transitioning through this dichotomy. She just happened to be way ahead of the curve. At uh, least they're good. trying it on. And like we've talked about with other things, it's like sometimes you have to force it at yes. first. Yeah. And I know a lot of kids in that classroom, when they heard her say what she said, 
Now, I still had about seven or eight kids left after she spoke. <laughs> and then it was interesting to hear those seven, eight kids say something other than I have to, I'm supposed to, or I should. Yeah. And then they start saying, well, you know, I want to be an accountant. And I never really thought about it, but I guess I'm here today because I know I have to get a degree to be an accountant. So I guess I really want to be here. But they woke up this morning feeling they had to be here. But after I asked them the question, they started to recognize, well, I guess I really do want to be here. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's so interesting. And isn't it interesting how they shifted out of the moment toward the bigger picture? And it seems to me that this whole lesson is, it's like the older you are and the further on you are in your life, the more significant this lesson is going to be for you and the more significant it is to really consider the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Whereas when you're 17, 18 years old, eh, it's probably better that you're seeking the approval of your parents because your parents have your best interest in mind. Like that one kid, well, I'm 16, I might as well leave, but then he has to, well, I guess my parents at this point in my life, they're power over me supersedes the law. So even if the law says I can get out of here, I really need my parents' approval for whatever different motivating reason. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, like that keeps the child, I guess, on the right track. Like I was saying before, if you're meeting the approval of morally upright people, what's the harm in that? Other than over the years, your independent critical thinker is going to maybe reanalyze some of that and you're going to realize like oh i forgot i had this vision for my life once upon a time and i've lost that because i just started doing this day in day out job and i just felt as long as i had the approval of my boss fine that's enough and that complacency sets in and i find it fascinating that the key ingredient to changing the conversation in the classroom was how that student brought her vision into it. Yes. Kind of her dream job came to the fore, mm-hmm. which is really interesting how vision changes and your hopes and your dreams for yourself and your ambition that can kind of color your attitude for the day a little bit differently. If you can look at the big picture instead of just being in, frustrated by having to get up early, annoyed that you have a test later and, you know, it seems like you didn't cover all the things that are going to be on the test. You're really annoyed by a coworker, And those moment-to-moment things really do entangle you and make you think things like, I have to do this, so I have to do this. Whereas if you have a bigger picture vision, you can start to maybe see those things as stepping stones, or maybe you're less worried by those things. You know, it's like, I think it was Winston Churchill, that you'll never get where you're going to if you stop to throw stones at every dog that barks. And this girl had a vision of the destination and wasn't pestered by the day in, day out frustrations of just being, or being a human doing. Yeah, think about that. How many decisions did those students make in the first two hours of the morning by the time they got out of bed and time they were sitting in my class? So think about the decisions they made and the process of making the decision. And think about how 
frustrating and how empty it is to make decisions that you're doing something that you have to do. This is what you're deciding now. I'm doing this because I have to do it. That's my decision. I'm doing it because now I'm supposed to do it. That's my decision. And I'm doing it because I'll get in trouble if I don't. That's my decision. So are we just canvassing the opinion of our parents and teachers and just going along and making decisions that they'll approve of, that they think they want to hear, you know, and all that? And that's what I got from the first dozen of students I asked until I came across a student who then said, I've already made a number of decisions this morning. And one of the decisions was, here's another day that I need to go through because I need to prepare for myself to get to college. And then from college, I'm going to become an orthodontist. So that was huge. The feelings that you have in your life when you're making decisions for those reasons versus a decision to just meet the approval of other people. I tell you, it's amazing to me when you just step back and ask a person to consider that. And when a person says to you, well, I know I need to, or I know I'm supposed to, or I should. And everybody says I should. And I said, well, who told you you should? That's one of my favorite questions when someone says, I should. Well, who told you you should? And another one is when they're supposed to. I said, supposed to? Who said you're supposed to? And that really catches a person off guard because not too many people ask them that question. I think every time you say, I have to, or I should, or I'm supposed to, that falls off your lips. I hope after this conversation, you stop and say, wait a minute, why did I just say I'm supposed to? And why did I just say I should? Or why did I just say I have to? And say, where is that coming from? And that's all I'm asking the listener to consider. Any final thoughts as we wrap up this, Brian? Well, I know we're running out of time here, but I hope that next week we can talk Because now I'm curious about how a leader or a parent or a coach then shows total unconditional acceptance to their children or the, you know, the kids on their team or whoever they're the leader of, how they can show the people who they're working with that acceptance, but simultaneously help them discover their intrinsic motivation and visions for their life. I'm curious about how a leader goes about doing that. Well, I'll give you some thinking to do on that between now and next time as we get together. And that'll be a great conversation for us next time to talk about that. And I want to thank everyone for joining in for Ride the Elephant today. And thank you again, Brian. And we'll see you next week. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week. 